Greetings, my excellent friends. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome on into Wild Stallions. I'm Jay Catch, sitting alongside my good friend, Sean Walker. Sean, how are you, my friend? Jake S. Preston Esquire. It's great to join you, me, Sean Theodore Logan. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, after, you know, we were we were thinking about shuttering this podcast. You know, things just weren't looking good. We missed we, payroll. We weren't able to meet payroll last week. Yeah. But uh, thanks to a, a generous majority investor who is now the chairman of the pod, uh, we're going to be able to, we're going to survive for several more years. And that investor is, insert your name here if you'd like to do that. Always open to we, having you guys. We are open to sponsorships. We are. We can be bought. We can be bought. All right, Sean. Um, yeah, so that's a reference to what happened yesterday. The news, I guess it broke technically late Monday night. It spilled over into Tuesday that the Alliance of American Football reportedly missed payroll because they were short on funds and they had a $250 million investment via the Carolina Hurricanes owner, Tom Dundon, who is now the chairman of the board for the Alliance of American Football. This was quite the story that kind of developed throughout the day yesterday. Uh, I guess, Sean, first things first, what did you make of everything that went down? I mean, there, there, there are always two sides to every story, and there, I yes. think there are two ways that you can look at this. Either one, one of them is you side with the league and, um, and what they're saying in that there was a big convergence of events yes, yeah. that included uh, new majority investor Tom Dundon, who's the owner of the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes. I think I'm not a hockey guy. They're the Hurricanes, right? You are correct, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, he he uh, ponies up, and he's up, I guess, a $250 million investment in the league. And that also happens to come during the same weekend that... Uh, that the league is switching some HR management and some mm-hmm. payroll management. And so because of that, they kind of backlogged a payroll system until the same day as this new investor comes into the league, which, you know, I mean, that's their story and it may be possible, but then there's the other side and I don't blame anybody for being a little bit skeptical because it does seem like a very coincidental convergence of events. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, 100%. So, I mean, I could see both sides. I can see why people are skeptical. I can see why, um, why the league maybe wants to kind of refute these reports and, and mention that the league is on solid ground because frankly, um, the, the truth of the matter is, no matter how this came about, the league is now on very solid ground thanks to a $250 million donation from one Mr. Dundon. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, there, the, you said, like you said, there you, there's two different ways to look at it. And the way I kind of took it, Sean, is that this is like any tech startup. Uh, this is kind of how they've marketed this league. And in the comments that he made to the media, saw in a few reports, Charlie Ebersol, the CEO of the Alliance of American Football, said that, well, with any tech startup, you have rounds of fundraising. You have you, and you have all these different rounds. You kind of go out to people, sell your product and whatnot. That's true. 
And I mean, we live in Utah. We live in the Silicon Slope. Exactly. Plenty, plenty of our listeners know that. And he he, he termed what uh, Tom Dundon did with his investment yesterday to be the Infinity Series, where essentially Tom Dundon has given them all the money they need for the foreseeable future. He is the majority holder now, and they feel like they're on solid footing. So did Tom Dundon complete the Infinity Series with the fifth stone, and now with okay. the snap of his finger, he can eradicate half of the Alliance population? Let's hope not, because that would that would be that be bad deal. Because let's hope that Salt Lake doesn't. Yeah, I hear you snapping Thanos over there. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, that's you, a shout out to our Marvel listeners. Yeah, you ready to you ready to see Infinity Wars? It sounds like. Oh, gall. That's gonna be a great movie. That aside, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. But that aside. This is yeah. It, it did look kind of just a strange convergence of events. I know Pro Football Talk put out reports uh, late last week or early this week saying that there some of their, the agents of guys playing in the alliance had missed payments and that kind of caused the uproar. And then the report is that they were short on cash. Well, I think the the net the net good out of all of this is the report, or I guess not the net the report. It's the net positive is that guess what. This league is all of a sudden suddenly fl- flush with cash that they can use to at least get through this year. I would think with a quarter billion dollars, you should get through at least another year, I would hope. You should be able to ration out that money to get you through another year and then see where you're at. Yeah, and not to mention television ratings that have been astronomical through the roof through the first two weeks of the season on the NFL Network, CBS Sports Network, uh, main CBS, um, yes. and Turner's broad array of broadcasting options as well. Yeah, so... I mean, that, that, that certainly helps a lot, too. Exactly, and I think that they're hoping that that holds up, and we'll see. Through two weeks, the numbers, like you said, have been very good, and I think a lot of people still point, well, the XFL had good ratings to start with, too. We get that. But we're talking almost two decades ago versus modern day. The the consumer is able to take in so many more, so much more product now because of the different array of platforms, like you just mentioned, that the alliance is employing this year. That I think these ratings, I think they're likely here to stay. I think that this is a product that can stay. Now we also do need to see an improved product on the field because we have seen some clunkers That's of the games. Next step. That, that is, is the next, next step. step. Um, we're going to talk with a CBS Sports rep- uh, reporter. He's the lead AAF reporter for CBSSports.com, Ben Kirchival. I had a chance to catch up with him. We're going to play that interview in the next segment. And you'll hear him explain kind of some of his thoughts on what happened yesterday. You'll also hear him talk about how he feels like this league is with this extra money being pumped into it, set up for the near term. I guess the easiest way to say, I think he, in the interview that we'll play here, he said at least two years was kind of his mind on where this league stands in terms of money now. But I think, yeah, the the thing to take out of this, Sean, is I know a lot of people worried, well, is Tom Dundon, with some of these reports, going to demand that a franchise be relocated to the Carolinas, where he is based? owning the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL. Will he want a team put in Raleigh, North Carolina in the in the short term? Well, I think that's a valid question, but and I think it's certainly very possible. It is possible, yes, because but we've also known, but we've also known for a while that expansion is going to be a thing in the AAF mm-hmm. if it if it becomes successful. I mean, you can't have a full league and market yourself as a full league at just eight teams. No, um, in the long term, I mean that that just doesn't make any sense. So there are going to be expansion markets and expansion opportunities, and I think Raleigh, Durham, maybe Charlotte, somewhere there in the in the Carolina, or maybe the. Carolinas or the Research Triangle area, I think that's certainly been 
a possibility. Uh, and maybe it's more of a, sp- of a possibility because of this new chairman of the board. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily an immediate possibility either. No, I think I think I, I have the same thinking you are. I don't think it, like this. I don't think we're going to see them after this season concludes. Let's say in mid-May, say, "Guess what, guys? We had a great season. We're adding four more teams." I just don't see that happening. That's just that's just my take on it. Because the product on the field does need to improve. They need to be smart with the money they've got right now. Because this is going to be very much a tenuous existence for this league for a little bit because they've got to prove that hey the product is worth it we can get guys back to the NFL because you want to you want guys to come to this league looking at it as a springboard opportunity to get to their ultimate goal which is to play in the NFL if you can't prove that's an option guys aren't going to sign up for this league yeah 100% 100% so I mean I, I think you touched on it um, right there early the 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 next the next point now is to make sure the product stays viable that the product stays marketable that people don't just come into the league out of curiosity mm-hmm. or you're you know hey I'm gonna pull this up on a Sunday night on the NFL Network just because I'm bored right now now I, I mean as we head into week three of the Alliance of American Football and its inaugural season now the challenge is bringing people back bringing them back to the stadium back to their television sets back to this team back to the you know Dick Sporting Goods or wherever it is, yeah. not a sponsor, um, to uh, to to buy merchandise and so forth. Get fans fully invested in these teams. No longer, you know, we, we've we've now kind of passed the curious onlooker stage, mm-hmm. if you will. And because of this new round of investment, we've also passed the just trying to make enough money to survive stage. Now it's about bringing in consistency not just on the field but also off the field getting a consistent fan base driving fan interaction uh you know ingraining yourselves uh ingraining these teams in the local community and so forth and and i think that's kind of where the alliance of american football sort of sets out um as we get into week three yeah that'll be interesting so i i'm you know me, Sean. We started this podcast. I've said I am an aficionado. I'm a fan of the Alliance. I want to see it succeed. I really do think it can be a proving ground for guys trying to make it back to the NFL. And two positions in particular that I think of that really could benefit from this is the quarterback position and the offensive line position. Because those are those are two positions in the NFL that we hear all these draft nicks and general managers and coaches always complain about is there's not enough opportunities for guys to develop at those two positions in particular with the lack of practice time, especially in offensive linemen, where you, the lack of uh, drills where you're going one-on-one with defensive linemen, etc. This is a league that if it ultimately plays out like they hope it is, it can be a proving ground. It can be that developmental area. I would very much like to see guys that are st- quote-unquote signed with NFL teams that maybe they're a practice squad player, maybe that they're allowed to come play in the Alliance during the spring to get that extra work and show what they can do. That's what I want to see with this league. And you're right, Sean. I think now with that money, they're set up. Now they've just got to focus on the on-field product, make sure it's ready to go, and that these fans of football that are fans of the Alliance buy in, plain and simple. 100 percent all right and, and speaking of yeah. buy-in and and maybe we'll get to this here mm-hmm. in a segment um or so but there's also a matter of there are some teams in the league that have not played at home yet that haven't yeah. been able to kind of officially meet their own fan base uh salt lake is one of them yep and their home opener um their hashtag ice the rice home opener is this Saturday at Rice Eccles Stadium against the Arizona Hotshots. 
Absolutely. Um, and I did talk to some people over there. they got a great deal going on. Let's let's pull up it right now, Sean. If you guys want to go to this game, Rice Eccles Stadium, it appears that the snow is supposed to stay away, hopefully. The forecast continue to change here along the Wasatch Front, but the snow is supposed to stay away. Uh, so it should be, I guess, all things considered, decent weather for late February on this game on Saturday afternoon. Right now, the hashtag Ice the Rice promo they have going is the high temperature of the day. So I believe uh, today here, at least in Salt Lake, it's supposed to be around 29 or 30 degrees. Well, guess what? That high temperature, that's the price you pay for two tickets. And we're not talking nosebleed tickets. They're supposed to be pretty prime seats at Rice Eccles Stadium. So take advantage, come out and enjoy the product and support this team, meet this team. Like you said, it's finally the opportunity for Stallions fans to see this team up close and personal. Or maybe wait a day for a certain winter storm that's supposed to pass the Wasatch Front as well on Thursday? Sure. If you're listening to this on, on Thursday, absolutely. Check that out. It might, might be even lower. It kind of just depends on when you catch it. So check that out. should be a lot of fun. All right, Sean, let's step aside here. We'll come back. I had a chance, like I said, to speak with Ben Kirchival from CBSSports.com. Awesome conversation. He kind of explains what his day was like yesterday, kind of track, trying to track down this story with the Tom Dundon uh influx of cash etc he breaks that down we talked about salt lake what he thinks of the steins if they have a chance to rebound on the season now that they sit zero and two and we even talked a little bit about the expansion thing is expansion rumors and talk as well so we'll catch up with him next right here on wild stallions Welcome back to Wild Stallions. Thanks again for joining us. We're pleased to welcome in CBS Sports, AAF, and also does college football writing for CBS Sports. He is Ben Kirchival. Ben, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, excited to catch up with you here. I've been We've been watching your work as the season's kind of progressed here with the Alliance. And I, I'm very interested, I guess, first off, with the news yesterday, the initial reports that, they, that the Alliance missed payroll and then the, they refuted those reports. What all went down? What was your day like yesterday? Uh, pretty hectic, but that's sort of the life of, of covering a startup company. And I, I think that's where you begin with this is, the AAF has maintained, and I don't think they've ever said to be any different, is that they're a startup. And with startups, you need capital investment. You need funding. And so uh, they got that, uh, obviously, yesterday with the announcement of uh, Tom with the, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes giving a quarter of a billion dollars uh, to keep this operation going. So then the question becomes, was this a, a bailout, right? Was this some sort of life-saving effort to keep this thing from going? And uh, look, I, I was told that as far as you know, what the AAF needed, obviously they need capital. They need cash. I, I don't think that's any big secret. Um, they work in milestones when Charlie Ebersole started this thing up a few years ago. He goes to uh, Silicon Valley. He gets tech investments. And that's where you get your initial cash flow to, to get this operation going. But at some point, you need to be able to, to keep it running. And so you, you meet with investors, you pitch your product to them. Like a lot of startups, those potential investors will say, well, okay, I need to see the product or service that you're, you're going to put out. Um, it, so you get you know, a week or so into the season, 
and then Tom decides, okay, we're going to pull the trigger on this. I'm going to go ahead and be an investor. Obviously, in exchange, he gets the chair position on the board of directors and a pretty big say on this operation moving forward because he's he's the single biggest investor. And Charlie's going to continue to be the CEO of this operation, but uh, you know. Tom obviously now has a much bigger voice in, in how this thing goes. So their connection goes back several months from what I understand. And this is something that had been percolating for a while, but materialized uh, obviously very recently. So was the AAF in dire need of cash to the point where they could not pay players? Uh, I was told that that was not the case. There was no, there was no danger of anyone not being paid. Uh, I, I talked to some coaches. They said they never had you know, a paycheck missed. I think where things started to overlap was they had moved to a new payroll system, and this was supposed to have happened in about January, and it didn't really happen until about earlier this month. So when that happens, you end up getting sometimes these glitches in the system, which sounds a lot like an office space quote, and it, to an extent it, it kind of is. It sort of makes fun of itself, but when you have a, a glitch in the system, you'll get people who, in this case, on a Friday, and they would get their pay stub as normal, but it just it, it doesn't show up in their bank account. And the GM that I spoke to yesterday said that uh, any re- issues that players had uh, regarding that, it was supposed to be fixed by the end of the day then. So I, I didn't get the impression it was some widespread thing where suddenly there's no liquidity people aren't getting paid, anything like that. As far as the investment goes and and the narrative surrounding that, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I I gather that the AAF obviously needs money moving forward. They're not going to, certainly not going to complain or view a quarter of a billion dollars as a bad thing. Um, If anything, it, it keeps them afloat for financially anyway for you know a a couple years now into the future um you know people will draw their own conclusions on on how they think the whole thing went down i just think they view it as as a startup llc you need capital investments to keep this thing going and they got their biggest one to date on tuesday yeah, and that's kind of how I looked at it as well. Because yeah, like you said, the when this league started up, they kind of announced it as a startup. They, they we're running this like a Silicon Valley type of a deal, and I, I completely get that. So I guess, like you said, the the net positive out of all of this is they are flush with cash now, and they set themselves up for the foreseeable future. And I think that's the net positive that fans of the AAF can take away from this. I, I wanted, I guess, now that we're two weeks into the season, we'll kind of transition here. What have your initial impressions of the league and the play on the field been? It's been good, not great. There's room to certainly improve. I think that's where you want to be. There's, to me, a pretty clear difference between what I think are the top four teams in the league and, and the bottom four teams. Now, you know, two weeks in, uh, the biggest thing is, is timing and chemistry with a lot of these offenses. It's why you're seeing a lot of unders uh, as far as Vegas lines are concerned. Um, you're seeing a lot of uh, sacks, a lot of drop passes. Um, mistiming on, on some of these throws and routes. Um, it just, you know, there's some poor quarterback play out there. So when you have teams like Orlando, 
who are obviously very well coached with Steve Spurrier, a guy in Garrett Gilbert who has all the tangibles, just never maybe found the right system for him to thrive in. And now suddenly he's in an offense where he's able to chuck it deep. And, you know, he's got playmakers to get the ball to. Jalen Marshall, uh, Charles uh, Johnson, Devion Smith. I mean, guys who can really stretch the field vertically. Not all of the AAF teams have those type of, of wideouts, especially not in abundance. Mm-hmm. So you get teams like that. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have teams like Atlanta and Memphis that have uh, the quarterback plays really up in the air. Offensive lines are bad. Uh, don't necessarily have a, a guy who can stretch the field vertically. And, and so even though defenses are only allowed to rush five guys on, on passing plays, they're just so much further ahead because offensive lines haven't come together. Quarterbacks are still trying to get everything installed from a, a playbook and command standpoint. Uh, you know, receivers are trying to get on the same time with them. It, it just takes time to put together. And I think that could take, you know, another two, three weeks, you know, maybe even up to a month. You're probably not talking about things equalizing out in terms of pure talent distribution until the second half of the season. So right now there's a, a clear top tier and a clear bottom tier. I worry a little bit that it'll be a chalk season, but I think you have to give it a month or so before you can draw any definite conclusions. Yeah, speaking of a team that we cover here locally on the Wasatch Front here in Salt Lake City is the Stallions, of course, and I would say being 0-2 on the year, they're probably in that lower tier. What have you seen from Salt Lake that, I guess, gives you hope or worries you about them going the rest of the way throughout the season? Well, they, of the winless teams, I actually think they have the best chance to rebound. They've had a little bit of bad luck, first being that their quarterback got hurt in the first game of the year, Josh Woodrum, mm-hmm. against uh, Arizona, had a hamstring injury. Obviously, he didn't play last week. It was hamstring injuries, even if they decide they want to go with him uh, this week. I, I've been working all morning, so I haven't had a chance to, to check with people or, or check the um, check the injury reports. Um, they typically start to come out around today. So I think his status for this game um, against Arizona back at home will be really important. But if you know if he can go and play this week, I think that'll be huge. Finally getting back just at home for the first time this year is going to be important. Uh, you know, I, I like what they have with their running game. I think their defensive front is really good. So I think they have some pieces necessary to, to make a run as the season goes on. They've just been kind of hit with some things that, you know, you can't always help at the beginning of the season. Obviously, injuries are bad luck. And then you go in the first game of the year, you play Arizona, who might be the team to beat in the West, and then you have to go on the road the following week to play Birmingham. And look, they played really well. They, they had a 9 nothing mm-hmm. lead, you know, gave it away, lost by three points. But, you know, Birmingham is probably an upper-tier team. Um, and they, they're sort of a rock-fight team anyway. I mean, they, they beat the hell out of you. And that, I think they're going to be one of those teams that you play them and then you sort of feel it the next week. You sort of almost play them twice. So it's just been sort of a tough go for them. But I like the pieces that they have in place to, to at least be an above 500 team by the time April rolls around. Yeah, we saw the the odds came out before the season. It was the Westgate Superbook. Some of the other ones had it out there that they had the Stallions pegs the second best team in this league. I guess the best odds to win the championship behind Arizona. Is it surprising to you that we're seeing Salt Lake and Arizona playing both of their matchups within the first three weeks of the season? Well, that's that's what they're doing for a lot of these teams. Um, so, the, so 
they're going to get um, like two of those games out of the way, then they get a lot. I think they have a lot of uh, cross-divisional games uh, coming up. Like everyone last week, um, you know, played someone from yeah, the other it, division. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so it's 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 not too, it's just kind of how the schedule is set up. All right. Now, what I don't like about the <laughs> what I don't like about the schedule is, and I don't know if this is avoidable or not, but I don't like the fact that like next month. San Antonio is on the road for like a month solid. True, yeah. Like they don't go back to the Alamo Dome until late March or early April or something like that. They have like one home game in March. That Those stretches of time where teams are on the road away from home, I, I feel like there's got to be a way to fix that. I haven't looked at it too in-depthly. It's probably something that I would at some point call up and ask some people who would know about because I, I think that's one of the things that needs to be changed too because right now teams on the road two and six against the spread I mean, it's just it's really hard to win on the road I think which we know that to be generally true anyway I and mean, mm-hmm. you typically yeah. get three points at home we're still trying to find a valuation of what home field advantage means in the AAF but obviously from a, a wins and losses standpoint it's extremely hard to go out there and, and play well on the road. Yeah, I, I would agree with you because you, yeah, you look at the schedule, and I, I do feel like the Stallions, at least, I looked at their future schedule. They've got the first two games on the road. They have two home games, but then they go alternate home road, home road the rest of the year, and that's probably the most balanced schedule I, that I've seen. Right. I, I'm with you. I've looked at some of the Orlando. I think has a three road game and four week stretch, and yeah, there needs to be uh, some more balancing of that going back and forth. Uh, ben, one more question before we let you go, and really do appreciate you taking the time, Ben Kershaw from CBS. Sports joining us uh, with this league. I know there are a lot of talk uh, when the whole news of Tom Dundon buying into this league and rumors that he wants a franchise in Raleigh, North Carolina. Do you think expansions on the table in the near future for this league, or are they going to let this play out with just the eight teams? Yeah, you got to define near future there. I mean, okay. if you're talking, uh, I mean, if you're talking the next two years, I would say probably not. I mean, it took. It took three years to even get this thing together. Yes, and, and obviously, it's still not even a finished product. Um, and it was, it was. There's no time in the world that makes it a finished product, right? You're all. I mean, you're always trying mm-hmm. to improve what you have. So, I would imagine. Now, I look. I didn't hear anything specifically about a, a an expansion franchise in the Carolinas um, when we were talking about uh, the the investment made yesterday. So that was not brought up, I'm sure, behind closed doors at some point. Maybe it's a, it's a conversation piece. I haven't heard anything on the record or really even off the record about it. So it's, it's hard to say at this point. Um, but, you know, right now they're operating on a two-year deal with their media rights partners. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, we don't know what's going to become of the AAF. You know, they like to think that they're going to be around for a while. Yep. But you have to maintain liquidity. You have to maintain interest. You have to have people to broadcast the games. You have to have a, a, as good a product as you're going to put out there. And there are a lot of challenges that they have to face just with eight teams, uh, challenges of which you and I could spend hours on. I mean, it's, so this is what Charlie Ebersol deals with every single day. That's true. So <laughs> yeah. I, I would not say that it is imminent that they're going to have a, a team in the Carolinas. But if this thing lasts long enough, obviously, expansion will always be on the horizon. Awesome. Well, Ben, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Look forward to doing it again soon. Keep up the great work, all right? 
thank you. There's Ben Kirchival. Thanks so much to him for joining the show. And Sean, it was very interesting. I, you heard him say in that final answer there, he doesn't feel like expansion for the AAF is on the table for at least two years. And he said you kind of have to uh, just look at uh, what near-term or, or the short-term future, what you term that to be. But he doesn't feel like expansion's on the table right now because he feels like there's enough issues raising money, trying to get the upgraded product on the field with just eight teams that you need to handle that first before you think Think about, hey, let's add two or three or four more cities. Yeah, and there are certainly plenty of criticisms from leagues, both past and present. Um, you and I are both soccer fans, and we're seeing a lot of these issues in Major League Soccer right now about yep. watering down a product and expanding too fast. You, you definitely don't want to get to a point where you expand so quickly that you can't support the product, even if it's in 10, 12, 14, mm-hmm. 16, 18, whatever it is, different yeah. markets across the country. So um, I agree. I think expansion is coming. I don't think it's coming eminently. Um, um, I certainly think North Carolina is going to be in the mix. I think the Pacific Northwest is going to be in the mix. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's going to be another team up in the upper Northeast um, before too long. But you know, let's let's hold off on talking expansion as if it is supremely imminent. Yeah. You know, we are probably talking a year, two, three, maybe even four years down the road. Yeah, and that, and that's not a bad thing. I think expansion, yeah, it should be on the table at some point, but right now. Focus on the on-field product. Make sure you're getting as good athletes as you possibly can get. Uh, and that's I think that's the overarching thing. Uh, let's talk about the games next, Sean. we got a preview. Salt Lake versus Arizona, round two. It's the home opener for the Stallions. We'll also get to our picks in the other three games in the Alliance this weekend. A lot to cover. I also need to talk about some, some roster news for the Stallions as well. Some moves being made yesterday as well. So we'll cover all that coming up next right here on Wild Stallions. Welcome back. This is the Wild Stallions Podcast. I'm Jake. He is Sean. All right, Sean. We saw I'm Sean. He is Jake. Why do you always got to go first, man? Okay. He is Sean. I'm Jake. Thanks for joining us. That work for you? Sheesh. I'm such a diva. You are a diva. I'm such a Absolutely diva. diva. I'm going to call you Diva Sean from now on. How about that? That is, I mean, that is my Overwatch main, so you gotta diva. you got kidding me. Really? I mean, I'm just saying. By the way, just... Shout out to other uh, Spitfire fans out ta- there. Talking about Overwatch, you tried to get me to like buy into some team I have no knowledge did, of. Did you do it? Did you do it? I looked at stuff, but I still am so lost. Oh my God. That's a discussion for our other podcast. We, we got to get you. Overwatch today. Over Overwatch today, go download it on iTunes. <laughs> we have too many podcast ideas already. Anyways, uh, Sean, let's talk about this. We got a big game. It's the home opener for the Salt Lake Stallions Saturday afternoon, one o'clock big Mountain game. Time, and this is Rice Eccles Stadium is going to be the site of Arizona at Salt Lake. The Arizona Hotshots coming two and zero on the year, while Salt Lake sits at zero and two. Ben Kirchival in the previous segment said that he feels like of the winless teams and the teams that aren't um, off to a great start this season. He actually is the most bullish on Salt Lake. He felt like they've just been hard done by with the injury to Josh Woodrum. He also said that he feels like this team had Birmingham beat. They just gave up a lead late. He said that this is a team he feels like really can rebound, have a winning record at the end of the year, and challenge for the playoffs. So I think that's should give Salt Lake Stallions fans hope. This week, though, 
tough, tough showdown for your home opener. Yeah, really tough showdown. And, and coming in three weeks into the season um, and being on the road this entire time certainly doesn't do the Stallions any favor. Certainly, head coach Dennis Erickson has spoken um, fairly at length about that. Um, I, I don't think the Stallions are very happy having to be on the road for the first two weeks of the season, but now they get a chance to finally get back to Salt Lake, uh, finally get to Rice Heckle Stadium. Whether or not the field is painted in the colors of the Stallions, um, we will see. There was some conversation on social media about that. Yes. Um, we don't know exactly, yeah, quite frankly. No, I mean, that's I, a good point. I think yeah. there are a lot of people within the Stallions organization, even that, that don't know necessarily exactly how the lines and the painting and the end zones and everything are going to look. But it will be the Stallions' home field. They will play uh, each of their home games there, starting this Saturday at 1 p.m. in Salt Lake City. Hashtag Ice to Rice. Um, and it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I mean, this Arizona team is 2-0 and on the year. They're looking like, and I said this last week, Jake, and I was further emboldened after uh, this come-from-behind win uh, over Memphis that they put in, but this, this, the Hotshots look like the best team in the Western Conference, yeah. uh, quite frankly. This is the best team in the West. Uh, Rick Neuheisel has it going there. They're an explosive team offensively with, mm-hmm. with uh, the Wolford Wagon. Uh, John Wolford, a quarterback. Um, last week against Memphis, five pass plays of 20 yards or more, yes. including three that went for touchdowns. I mean, you know, when you're just talking about bang, bang, Pac-12, hashtag Pac-12 after dark style offenses, that's the Arizona hotshots. And maybe that's what you know other teams in the West, San Diego, Salt Lake, et cetera, want to do. But that's what Arizona is doing. Mm-hmm. And finding a way to stop that is going to be really difficult. I, I'm with you, and I, I was talking to you off the air about this. I really feel like Rick Neuheisel has zigged while the rest of the AAF has zagged. We're talking about a lot of guys who spent a long time in the NFL. They're used to the pro game, and they're kind of going back to sticking to their guns, going back to what they know. Well, Rick Neuheisel, if I'm not mistaken, never coached in the pro ranks, at least as a head coach. He spent most of his time on the West Coast in the Pac-12 footprint. And guess what? He has brought a lot of those college concepts to what the Arizona Hotshots are doing. And I don't think it's a coincidence they've been one of the hottest teams to start this year. Plain and simple. No, not at all. And this is a very college college often. Yeah. This is college football at its finest. Well, and this is what I wanted to see because there was um, talk, I I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's Memphis I believe has how Mummy was involved at least for a time as their offensive coordinator and I was very excited when that news came out. If I'm I'm, I'm wrong, I believe it's either Memphis or it was Atlanta, but I'm pretty sure it was Memphis that how Mummy was announced as the offensive coordinator. I said, air raid? Yes, let's go. I want to see the full air raid on display with what's going on in the AAF. So far, Memphis has kind of stumbled out of the gate, and if if that's supposed to be the air raid, it's not working. But this kind of pseudo-spread offense that Rick Neuheisel is employing, it's tough to defend. These are guys that have had less than a month together to really work in training camp, get their timing down on, on the defensive side. But you look at what Arizona is doing, and they're flying up and down the field. So my hat goes off to Rick Neuheisel. I'm just not sure that Salt Lake is up to snuff to be able to slow these guys down enough for Salt Lake to get a win. Uh, yeah, and you were correct. That was definitely uh, Hal Mummy and Memphis, who parted ways after uh, just barely two weeks together. Okay, so it was Hannah a short Mike term. Singletary, which... The Express are also one of those teams that have stumbled a little bit out of the gate, and maybe that would have been maybe better that's served. a big reason yeah. why. Yeah, maybe that's certainly a big reason why. Uh, Arizona is not one of those teams. That, you know, Rick Neuheisel is employing very similar offenses. Um, I think Wolford is going to wind up on an NFL roster be- before 
too much longer. I yeah. mean, I think he is becoming kind of one of the breakout stars of this first season of the Alliance of American Football. Um, but Salt Lake's got some dudes as well. I mean, let's talk about maybe how how they can. I don't. I don't know if. I'm gonna be totally honest, Jake. You, you know me. I'm a little bit of a of a realist. Um, I don't know if Salt Lake can completely stop Arizona's offense, but I do think they have a couple horses defensively, and we we definitely saw this against Birmingham last week that can slow down the hot shots a little bit. Well, um, I think it starts. Who, who with, are some of those guys? Yeah, I think it starts with Carter Schultz. That guy. Is gonna be, he's going to be on an NFL roster before long, too. Uh, he is just awesome off the edge, and he's kind of been one of the surprise stars through the early part of the season. He might have been, in my opinion, this is just me speaking, I think he's been Salt Lake's best player on the field on either side of the ball through two weeks. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then Gianni Paul, the former Ute, he was inactive for the first week of the season when they played uh, Arizona for the first time. But in week two, Sean, I tweeted out on my Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch, this guy is all over the field. He's making plays everywhere. Come on, he pulled down Trent Richardson by his dreadlocks, for crying out loud. Now, that was... That was a play. That looked painful that was for, a move. for Trent Reg- Richardson, but that was quite the play. So, those two on the defensive side give me a lot of hope. I also feel like Will Davis, the former Utah State Aggie, former third-round draft pick, has really come along as well through two weeks. So I guess those three names are the ones I'll throw out initially. Yeah, and I think Davis in particular is going to be absolutely critical in trying to slow that kind of high-octane passing attack uh, that Wolford and the Hotshots like to employ. If you, I mean, especially when you're talking about the types of plays he was making in what was very much one-on-one type coverage on mm-hmm. the corners against Birmingham. And granted, Birmingham throwing the ball is very different from Arizona throwing the ball. Uh, but if Davis can do even some of that, he doesn't necessarily even have to be that good, but but close to that good, I think he can certainly slow them down. Um, and another thing is there, we talk about the pass rush and Carter Schultz and, and, and Gianni Paul has certainly been instrumental in that. Uh, Salt Lake's got to get a little bit more help from the back end. Um, uh, yes. I'm talking guys like Micah Hanneman there at that mm-hmm. safety spot. Um not necessarily calling you out, Micah. Love you to death, man. Uh, I, I've, Mike and I go back to when he was at Lone Peak. Shout out to Mike Han- the Hanneman family. Uh, but um, they, I, th- this pass rush is pretty good. This Salt Lake pass rush is pretty good. They're, they're kind of cornerback islands are pretty settled. Now it's that back end that I think needs to sort of play catch up. And if they can complete that, this can be a very good defense, a complete defense in a lot of ways, a a very uh, Utah defense, if you will, a defense that Dennis Erickson saw a lot of in his time at the University yeah. of Utah under, under Kyle Whittingham. I, I think it has that potential. You're seeing that potential. It's getting close there. Um, if they put it all together this week, I think they certainly slow down the hot shots enough to um, – to give him a chance. All you can ask for is a chance. And Sean, if you remember last week, I said that I felt like Salt Lake would lose a close game to Birmingham. Salt Lake's defense had that game won for them, in all honesty. Outside Two of turnover, seven punts. That's well, pretty good. And then the the poor kicking game did them in. The special teams a week ago just did them in. So I, I, I felt awful about that. Um but I feel like this week, I think this defense will do their best to hold Arizona down. And I think if Josh Woodrum is fully healthy, and the reports from Dennis Erickson yesterday said they expect him to play this week. He, he was a full participant in practice on Tuesday. That would be massive to get him back, get him, get him back in the fold, because I think it's very clear at this point that he is the 
he's the best quarterback on this roster, plain and simple. He had a great first half against Arizona. I thought he goes out with that hamstring injury and the franchise more or less has tried to do what they could. They played with Matt Linehan in the second half of that Arizona game. They let um, Austin, I'm forgetting his last name all of a sudden. Austin Allen. Austin Allen played the entire game last Razorback week. himself. And Mr. Razorback. Mr. Razorback, yes, but I think that they've found very quickly that uh, Woodrum is their best option and they're going to they're going to roll with Woodrum and hope for the best. Yeah, he's he's their more prototypical quarterback. He's a guy who also complements their run game really well, mm-hmm. which I know Coach Erickson uh, certainly likes a lot. Uh, you know, you pair him in the backfield with guys like Joel Bonyan, whose name I'm going to struggle with for the entire season. Yes, so I, I am too. I apologize, Joel. Um, but uh, also, uh, he he's a good complement in terms of kind of run pass and that that sort of pass blocking with that uh, Matt Asiata brings to the table in a lot of ways um I don't know we can maybe talk about the run game later but but I I think he's more of that prototypical traditional quarterback um that that Dennis Erickson likes and the other guys are just a little bit different and maybe a little bit not enough Absolutely. All right, Sean. Well, let's talk about some roster moves that were announced yesterday. Uh, Dresden Anderson, the former Ute, he's been moved to injured reserve to, due to a hamstring injury. And if this works like the injured reserve works in the NFL, it means his season is done. Uh, that's a tough blow to only play really one game. He missed game two against Birmingham. And then uh, they also announced two other corresponding moves with regards to that. Chancellor James, a defensive back, and Ed Shockley, a linebacker, were waived, have made room now for wide receiver Brian Timms and defensive back, I'm hopefully pronouncing this correctly, Siante Evans. Uh, yeah, two smaller school guys there added. Well, to, one's played it for Nebraska. Come on, Sean, that's not small school. It's you're gonna. When when did he play for Nebraska? You're gonna get, you're gonna get Cornhusker fans. When did he play throat. for Nebraska? There are five Cornhuskers on this roster. That's true. That's true. They're actually one of the more represented uh, teams on this roster, which is kind of funny to say because we're based in Salt Lake and that's Lincoln, Nebraska. But yeah, Brian Timms, small school, FAMU, Florida A and M. Shout out to Florida A&M, though. Absolutely. Shout out to Florida a Did you see the note here that uh, he has got a Super Bowl ring and a Grey Cup r- ring? Um, he played with the Patriots when they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Really? Followed it up with, during his time in the CFL. Won a Is he on the gra- practice squad with the Pats that year? Uh, he actually caught a touchdown during the season and was inactive due to an injury in the uh, Super Bowl. So he actually played okay, for the Pats. Okay. He caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. Okay. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He followed that up by going up and playing in the CFL, playing for the Toronto Argonauts when they won the 105th Grey Cup Championship. So he is one of the few players that has a Grey Cup and a Super Bowl ring. Good for him. Yeah, for sure. And then when you go when you go to Evans, he's another one another player who uh, was maybe a little bit less known in terms of his NFL time. Sorry, Nebraska yeah. fans. Uh, but another guy who was this this was a veritable star in the yeah. Canadian Football League, two time All Star. Um, certainly made several lists as what may be the CFL's best cornerback. Um, and he had the Calgary Stampeders in Grey Cup contention every single year he was there. He was a priority every time they they went to try to bring him back. Um, and, and that's not certainly not a bad place to be and definitely a good pickup by the Stallions. So I don't want to talk down too much to these guys. Sorry, Nebraska fans. I'm sorry. We don't want the big red machine coming at us. I'm sorry. And that's... How, however, they were kind of down there a couple years ago. All right. Just, but that, it, we, we, won't, we won't talk about that. 
you know, Viva La Scott Frost. There we go. All right, Viva Sean. Frost. Uh, before we close this out, let's make our picks for the other games this week. We'll run down real quick. So let's first off, so Arizona at Salt Lake, who you picking, Sean? It's really hard to pick against the Hotshots right now. I know Stallions fans aren't going to like me. I apologize. You can send me any angry tweets at David DJ James, um, and I'll try to respond to as many of them as possible. But I just I I think if the Stallions defense shows up like they did in Week Two against Birmingham, they can slow down this machine. But Arizona is so hard to stop right now. Uh, give me the Hotshots. All right, so that's 1 o'clock Mountain Time. It'll be streamed on Bleacher Report Live, which is an online streaming service through Turner Network. I'm actually picking the Hot Shots as well. I just feel like this is too good of a team. And the, the, let's be honest, the opening slate for the Stallions, it looks like, has just been tough. Two games against uh, Arizona, a game against Birmingham, and guess what? Next week, Orlando comes in. Three of the hottest teams in the league, so... Tough deal to, if you're a Stallions fan, but as you heard Ben Kirchhoff said, he really feels like they can turn it around. All right, Sean. But, but good news. Week yeah. five, you get San Diego. Hey, so, there we just go. Just look ahead to week five, Stallions fans. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Uh, other games. Memphis at Orlando. Uh, it's going to be on the NFL Network at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, Saturday evening. I'm taking the Apollos. The old ball coach. Yeah, give me the old ball coach in this one. Even if the Orlando Apollos are a team that cannot legally tra- uh, legally practice oh, in the state of Florida, um, I what think I think that's just going to battle test, and that's going to make a team that is two and zero in the first season of the Alliance of American Football that much hungrier to go out and prove that they really are the best team in the league. They have to go stay in a hotel in Jacksonville, bus thirty minutes across the border to a high school. It's on the Florida Georgia. Order and practice in Georgia. Shout out to the Florida State legis- Legislature for not allowing workers' comp for professional athletes. Is this like the legit like Florida Georgia line? Is what we should call it? <laughs> like, uh, it's just if a- the Apollos ever need a rebrand, Florida Georgia Line would be a great team name. It would be, but you have copyright issues with the Country Music Act. You never know. Fair. That's All fair. right. Uh, other games, real quick. Birmingham at Atlanta. Sean, um, I'm. <sighs> I'm going to go with an upset special here. Whoa. I'm going with Atlanta here. Whoa. Birmingham has had guys drop passes. They had turnovers, all kinds of issues a week ago against Salt Lake. I thought they were better than they were. I know Atlanta's had plenty of dysfunction with their coaching staff, etc. But I feel like at home, I'm going to take the Atlanta legends to upset the Birmingham iron. That's bold. That it is bold. bold. It is bold. It's yes. bold, bold prediction. But we are bold on this podcast. That's true. And I've got to find a way to get out a, in front of you in our uh, in our pick'em pool. So uh, I'm going to flip that. I'm going to take the favorites. I like Birmingham. I like this defense. I don't think they're going to win pretty. In okay. fact, I think it's going to be very ugly. But they're 2-0 and on the season. Um, and that has been their MO. They play Alabama football. You they know, do. They run hard. They play defense even harder. Um, I'm riding with Trent, Trent Richardson and his glorious, glorious dreadlocks that may or may not be one fewer because of one Gianni Paul. <laughs> Maybe so. All right. That game will be at 2 o'clock on Sunday, 2 o'clock Mountain Time on the CBS Sports Network. And then final game, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock Mountain Time on the NFL Network is the San Antonio Commanders at the San Diego Fleet. Uh, these are two teams that's been interesting to kind of track. I really feel like San Antonio is one of the better teams in this league. We weren't necessarily talked about much in the preseason. Give me the Commanders on the road. 
this is my upset special right here. Really? Uh, San Diego, little slow starting there. Obviously, they had that viral hit on quarterback Mike Percovici week yes. one that blew up social media, really kind of introduced um, this this team and they this league to, make an ad to the greater like, populace. This is the AAF, and like show them getting popped. Although I don't I don't know if that's something that you necessarily want to market <laughs> too much, know, but maybe maybe. Um, but this is uh, this is a little bit of a of a rematch. Um, and uh, I like the fleet this one. I think they figured a lot of things out last week. Their home opener against Atlanta kind of won going away 24-12. to 12. That fourth quarter was really just a work of beauty. 15-3 to 3 over the Legends in the fourth quarter. I think you see this team. I, th- I think you can almost visibly see this team kind of putting stuff together. The, the gears are starting to turn. Um, it's a very cognitive team. It's really embraced San Diego in a lot of ways. I think the fleet can get some revenge on the commanders in this one. All right, so there you go. There you have our picks. All right, Sean, uh, excited for this weekend. Hope one over for the Stallions should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I have my voice by then. Uh, your voice actually held up pretty well, all things considered. So well done, Make, get, making it through. You heard my voice a few weeks back. It was before we really started doing this podcast, or was it right when we started? My voice was awful. Yeah, so. and I made fun of you for it. And and this is what I get Karma. during, during Karma. Uh, high school state tournament week. My, yeah. my voice goes gone. Karma. All right, Sean. We'll get out and get your tickets. We'll see you at Rice Cycle Stadium this weekend. Should be a blast. Home opener. Any final thoughts from you before we close this thing out? Hashtag Ice the Rice. SaltLakeStallions.com for tickets. Hit up hit up our boy uh, Brown Bear, Brian. Brian Brown, Brian yes. Brown up there at the Salt Lake Stallions. Um, He'll hook you guys up, get yeah. you some great deals on tickets over there. Go hashtag Ice the Rise. Show out and support. If if y'all are really worried, this is a shout out to the Reddit crowd on Salt for with Salt Lake Stallions fans. If y'all are really worried that the Stallions could be moved or relocated uh, to the Carolina area at the request of one certain chairman, you know, make that a really tough decision. Get out, show out, buy tickets, buy merch, you know, make the just embrace this team, make this team embrace the community. Um, I promise they'll notice. All right, that'll do it for us. For Sean, I'm Jake, or for myself, for Sean, which way which way do you want me to say it on this time? I know you had you had an issue with that earlier. No, no, I'm less diva now. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll catch I'm you actually guys. More of a Lucio main. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Ah!